I love a wedding, don't you? Weddings are such joyous occasions, and many times they're mentioned in the Bible, not only as celebrations, but as parables that illustrate great truths. Hello, I'm Christine Darg, and that's the topic I'll be exploring. Recently, we were privileged to attend a big wedding in Israel. The ceremony was in many ways a prophetic picture of the soon coming return of King Jesus for his bride, the church. At this particular wedding, which was near Tel Aviv, the bride's attendants came down the aisle like the five wise virgins in the parable of Jesus's in the Gospel of Matthew. The beautiful bride and her wedding attendants were carrying small oil lamps like this to greet the bridegroom. It was such a prophetic picture. We all had spiritual goosebumps. Also, not too long ago, I attended a Jewish Orthodox wedding, and there was a similar scene. The bride with her attendants and all the female guests were segregated together at night as we awaited the arrival of the bridegroom with all of his male attendants. The Jewish bride and her attendants were all holding candles. These scenes were like seeing the wedding parable that Jesus taught enacted before our very eyes. Not much has changed in 2000 years in many Jewish wedding traditions. Now these actual weddings inspired me to think about the parable that Jesus told in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25. And let's look at verse 1. He said, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. When Jesus began by saying, At that time, he was prophesying of the end times, the time of his second coming. And who do the ten virgins represent in this parable? I believe, and other Bible scholars also teach, that the ten virgins represent believers because they were all expecting to meet the bridegroom, who is Jesus, when he returns. And what do their oil lamps represent? I have another biblical Middle Eastern oil lamp here. The lamps represent a number of things. We know the oil in the lamps is a type of the Holy Spirit fullness. The lamps themselves represent our testimonies. And also, lamps are a frequent idiom in the Bible representing the Word of God itself. So how full of the Word of God is your lamp? How full of the oil of the Holy Spirit is my vessel? And the parable continues in verse 2. Five of the virgins were foolish and five were wise. The foolish virgins took their lamps, but they did not take any oil with them. However, the wise took extra oil in containers along with their lamps. As I said, oil is a Bible idiom for the Holy Spirit throughout the Word of God. But the real issue here is the life of Jesus Christ within us. How much of the testimony, how much the life of Jesus is living inside of us? 
how much of his power is in us. So many professing believers have Bibles in their homes and they have a testimony of having known or loved the Lord at one time. Perhaps they have a certificate of baptism and other church paraphernalia in their homes. Perhaps at one point they were filled with the Spirit and they spoke with new tongues. But that was an experience a long, long time ago. And now they are no longer in regular fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, I know a lot of believers like that. They're so busy getting ahead in life, having a good time, looking to the future, trying to succeed, that their fellowship with the Holy Spirit is nominal or almost non-existent. They have what the Bible calls a form of godliness, but they're denying the power of the living Lord within. The person whose lamp is full of the Holy Spirit oil, on the other hand, is living moment by moment for the Lord, anticipating His coming, occupying this world and taking action, in other words, doing exploits in His name with zeal until He comes, reading and meditating upon this word and making music and melody in our hearts to the Lord daily, sometimes hourly, just keeping in contact with Him, praying often with real fervency, and also keeping short accounts with God, not letting the sun go down on our anger, but allowing the blood of Jesus continually to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, Jesus continued in the parable in Matthew 25 that the, he said the bridegroom would be a long time in returning. And so the ten virgins became drowsy and fell asleep at midnight, though suddenly there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Come out to meet him. Now this is a picture of the rapture of the church, the catching away of those who are looking and waiting for the Lord and will be caught up in the atmosphere to meet the Lord. And it will take faith to be raptured. The Bible says back in the Old Testament, Enoch, who was the first person to be translated to heaven without dying, that he was translated or raptured by faith. It will also take faith for us to believe. We have to have an active faith to be translated. Unfortunately, not everyone who believes is going to make it because in this parable of the 10 virgins, only five out of the 10 were accepted and the other five were shut out behind closed doors. They were too late. Their oil had gone out. They were lost and stumbling in the dark because they were, they had been careless believers. In the parable, the virgins awaken and they trim their lamps and the foolish ones desperately ask the wise virgins, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. It's interesting to me, very interesting, that the oil is non-transferable. What you have built up in your life cannot be just automatically transferred to somebody else. I know I've tried. Somebody called me on the phone the other day and I tried my best to bring them up to my level of faith concerning healing, but they just were not prepared to meet me there. 
they were still too filled with doubt, unbelief, and wavering about God and, and His promises. What I've spent decades building in my spirit about healing and faith, I can't transfer automatically to people that I give counsel to. And so the wise virgins had to answer the foolish ones, no, we can't give you our oil. Go and buy some for yourselves. Well, you may say, Jesus, that's not a Christian thing to teach. That's not sharing. That's not being loving to others. But folks, Jesus was plainly telling us that there are some spiritual reserves that truly are non-transferable. What you've built up through faithful prayer, faithful study of the word, and putting into practice, you can't just automatically impart it to others, even if you want to. And so we see in this parable, horror of horrors. The five foolish virgins were caught short. Their lamps were dying. They realized they were living in the flesh and they were not in the spirit. You see, this parable teaches us that when the bridegroom returns, many professing believers will be living careless, very carnal lives. It scares me because I know so many people like that. You see, not everyone who goes to church occasionally and who calls themselves Christians and who recites the Apostles' Creed or sings the doxology will be ready to meet the Lord. And not everyone who calls himself a believer will be caught up in the rapture. The scary thing is that all of the ten virgins in this parable represent believers. Those who at some point have had a relationship with the Lord or they would not be in the company of the ten virgins here waiting for him to come. But half of them, as we see in this parable, were unprepared. They were sadly Christians in name only. Do you know how many so-called evangelicals are living in this country or in other countries and throughout the world, but they're not prepared to be raptured. They're not prepared for the Lord's second coming. They're not really living their lives in light of the soon coming of the Lord. Some of them are living openly in sin without the benefit of marriage. And they claim that the grace of God will cover their sin. These carnal believers often lean on the spirit-filled, consecrated, wise virgins for prayer and counsel and spiritual support, but they're not willing to live lives of surrender and sacrifice like the wise virgins are doing. The five wise virgins in this parable represent, I believe, the company of believers who are overcomers, those who on a daily basis are living righteous lives, keeping short accounts with God, overcoming sin and every kind of evil, so that their wedding garment, as it were, will be without spot or wrinkled, a pure bride without blemish, when the Lord suddenly comes, like the thief in the night. Well, this parable continues in Matthew 25 and verse 10. It says, And while the foolish virgins went out to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. 
the wise virgins who were ready went in immediately with him to the wedding banquet. And then what follows are some of the most solemn words in the Holy Bible. And the door was shut. What does this teach us? You had really better be living a consecrated life on a daily basis. This is what it teaches us because the coming of the Lord grows nearer every day. This parable teaches that there will not be time to get your act together when the Lord comes suddenly. If you have to go off and buy oil, that teaches that you have not been building up a faith bank. You have not prepared yourself spiritually. You see, you can't in these dangerous hours have uh, lived a careless life and have neglected your spiritual growth. If you don't want to be caught short in the future when all the fervent prepared believers are lifted from this earth, I have good news. It's not too late, perhaps, to repent and to prepare yourself and to get ready for the second coming of the Lord. You don't want to be among that foolish company who, in this parable, banged on the door and cried, Open! Open up the door to us! But Jesus solemnly replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Wow, that's scary. Therefore, thankfully, in verse 13 of this parable, Jesus gives us a warning. He loves us so much, he's trying to prepare us. So he said, watch, watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. Be prepared, he's saying. So believer, keep your oil burning in your lamp, burning brightly. And if we want the Lord truly to know us in that day and hour and let us in, we have to start today living a victorious life, picking up our individual crosses, following Him, obeying Him, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is possible yet to repent and to become ready to be on fire for the Lord with a bright lamp full of oil. Tomorrow may be too late. Are you afraid you will be caught short? It's not too late, my friend, to pray. Pray with me right now. Let's get ready. Let's say together, Heavenly Father, I don't want to be caught short with no oil in my lamp. Refill me now, I pray, by the indwelling power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to live a consecrated life. I do willingly repent of all known sins. Wash me now with the atoning blood of Yeshua the Messiah and send down true revival fires into my life. Help me, Lord, to regain a perspective on what's really important. Help me now to buy up the oil of the Holy Spirit through genuine acts of repentance and renewal. Amen and amen. I hope you genuinely prayed with me that prayer of renewal and preparation because I want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Now, 
In the meantime, one of the genuine signs that proves that we are wise and not foolish virgins is that we will be filled with the love of the Lord. Because Jesus taught that love is to be our distinguishing mark. He said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for the other. And yet Jesus also warned that an end time sign would be coldness, a lack of love. In his Olivet Discourse in uh, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12, Yeshua foretold the pervasive attitude that's in the earth right now. He said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The NIV translation is even more explicit. He said, the love of most will grow cold. The word iniquity in this verse is the Greek word for lawlessness. Jesus meant because iniquity or lawlessness shall abound in this world, the love of the majority of people shall grow colder and colder. You see, when people rebel against God's rule, against the Ten Commandments, when they disregard God's ways, love just goes out the window. Right now, our governments are in trouble. Israel is in constant danger. Every family seems to be besieged with parenting problems. Economies are tottering on the point sum of collapse. Even the weather is more and more freakish. The birth pangs of Messiah are in the earth. The signs he said that would tell us he's coming. Constant crises, spiraling tensions. You and I are in great temptation to absorb all of the stress and just be hardened by it all. But the wise virgins who are awaiting the Lord's coming will pay strict attention to these things and will be sure that our love lamps are burning brightly. In the Gospel of Matthew, the Lord not only warned us that the love of the majority will grow cold, but he also described how the lack of love will be manifested in his own household, in the assembly of God, the churches. Jesus prophesied the potential state of his house when he returns. He outlined three progressive aspects of love growing cold. The faithful will be rewarded, but the unfaithful in his household he compared to an evil servant. He said that his servants will become evil like those unwise virgins when they decide in their hearts, my Lord has delayed his coming. He's not coming anytime soon. And so Jesus said, if they have that attitude that his delay is coming, they will begin smiting and hitting their fellow servants and eating and drinking with the drunkard. These trends of the Lord's so-called evil servants are to be especially guarded against in the last days. Hopefully you and I are now comparable to the wise and not the foolish virgins. So let's examine these trends that Jesus predicted in uh, Matthew 24, and let's examine our own hearts. First of all, 
Are we guilty of saying, my Lord has delayed his coming? You see, a mark of a true, a genuine believer, which is increasingly being mocked by the world and unfortunately even mocked by many in the institutional churches, is a joyful anticipation of the Lord's coming. During the charismatic renewal, everybody used to say, Maranatha, our Lord is coming. But have you noticed it's sad that today, if you're actually looking forward to the Lord's coming, some unbelieving believers treat you like you are a religious freak. This is part of what Jesus said. He said the evil servant would say that his delay, his coming is delayed. They'll no longer say, Maranatha. Many believers who used to look forward to the rapture seem to be stuck in this world and comfortable with this world. And many even say they would prefer to go through the tribulation for various reasons. It has become a popular view among many evangelicals not to believe in the rapture, to argue that the Lord's coming will be delayed. And surely this within itself is one of the most striking signs of the end times. Yet Hebrews 9.28 declares, Unto them that look for him shall Jesus appear the second time. Now a second characteristic that Jesus taught in the Gospel of Matthew is that the evil servant, or what we would call an unwise virgin, will begin to hit, fight against his fellow servants, his fellow believer. Love is to be our hallmark, yet many professing believers are becoming increasingly belligerent, bitter, harsh, petty, critical, touchy, accusative, abusive, really sharp in their remarks, rejoicing when someone falls, gossiping, spiteful. The Lord said, the world will know we are his disciples by our love. His brethren are to be the world's most big-hearted people, but nothing should offend us. If, on the other hand, we are hitting and lashing out at our fellow believers, that means we're literally fighting. Have you noticed how many believers are taking one another to court these days or backstabbing one another? It's a crying shame. And especially shocking to me are the hateful, ugly things that so-called believers are openly writing about other believers on the internet, on YouTube, and on some of the social networks. It's shocking how downright nasty are the comments of some Christians. I wonder if they have any consciences at all. Now, a third sign, Jesus said that the unwise virgins and these uh, evil servants will eat and drink with the drunken. What does this represent? This speaks of becoming intoxicated or stupefied with this world. In many nations, we enjoy so much prosperity that it's a real danger and a temptation to become lazy, greedy, evil servants, not ready for his coming. Well, the Lord finished his discourse in Matthew 24 with a dire warning. He said, the Lord of that evil servant shall come in a day when he's not looking for him and in an hour when he's not aware. And he shall cut him asunder, cut him off and appoint him 
his portion with the hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So my friends, to sum up everything we've been saying in this program today, you and I must refuse to say in our heart that our master is delayed. We need to be saying, Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus. And we mustn't hit out and backstab and hate one another like spoiled brats, but rather we are to demonstrate more and more love, the hallmark of true believers. And we must avoid becoming intoxicated with the world, the love of this world. The Lord said his evil servant will do all of these things, and they are daily temptations. But we can correct our attitudes and behavior by meditating on the Lord's warnings that we've looked at today in Matthew chapters 24 and 25. Well, that's all the time we have in this edition of Exploits. I want to encourage you to keep your lamps burning brightly in an increasing dark age. And if you would like a transcript of this program, or if you'd like to watch our other videos available upon demand 24-7, just go to our website at www.exploits.tv. We'd also like to take this opportunity to offer you our free ministry magazine called Exploits. And you can obtain a copy of our magazine by requesting it by going to our website at exploits.tv. And there you can also see some of our books. Particularly, I want to recommend to you my healing book, Speak to the Mountain, because we need to keep our faith topped up and our lamps burning brightly, our faith lamps, and to keep well until Jesus comes. Until next time, I'm Christine Darg, encouraging you to look up. The King is coming, so let's be ready. Shalom to you and to your household.